Welcome to the Living Word with me, Sarah Ajalai Manuel. I welcome you to today's um, installment of my ongoing series on fair weather Christians. Yeah, fair weather Christians. I mean, why do we even have fair weather Christians at all? And these are Christians who, well, professing Christians, they're not Christians. You know, it's um, it's not possible to have a true Christian who is, as the people I've been describing, you know, in the uh, for, from when I started the series. And today I want to talk about the fact that these superficial Christians have no identity in Christ. And because they have no identity in Christ is the reason why they are restless, they are miserable, they are anxious, they are downcast, and they are desperate. And because of their desperation, the false teachers have a business that is thriving. You know, they are able to take advantage of them because these people are so restless, don't know who Christ is, don't know who they are or are supposed to be in Christ Jesus. And so they look here and there and anywhere for any kind of help whatsoever that they can, they may be able to lay their hands on. And they are led into more sin. Now, the main, uh, the greatest need of man, any human being, is deliverance from our sins. That's our greatest need. Never mind our physical problems, never mind our, our health problems, never mind our financial issues or personal you know, distresses. Our greatest need is deliverance from sin. And that is the reason Jesus Christ came into the world. That's the reason God gave his only son, his only begotten son. The rest of us are adopted children. Jesus Christ is the only begotten son who was with God from the very beginning I'm not going to begin to try and answer questions as to when did Christ begin to exist. All I know is he has been from eternity to eternity. He is God, period. You know, and you either believe that or take it or leave it. That's the basis of our faith. So I'm not going to begin to try and even answer that. But the fact is, he came down, God came down and dwelt amongst us. Hence, Emmanuel, he's called Emmanuel, God with us, just to relieve us from our sins not to give us better financial situations, not to give us marriage, not to give us children, not to help us become millionaires, not to help us gain earthly recognition and applause, nothing like that. Nothing like that, because those things are inconsequential to, to, to the well-being of our souls. That I'm rich and wealthy and famous does not mean my soul will be saved. As a matter of fact, because I have so much of those things, you know, I probably will turn away from God anyway and indulge myself in sin which is what we see and witness all over the place today. So we have this restless people who claim they are Christians. But on the other hand, we've got the Christians who are at peace, who are content in their relationship with the Lord, who are full of joy always, regardless of their situation. They are not pursuing what the world is pursuing. They are not anxious about money. They're not worried about tomorrow, you know, and they are Christians too. And then we have the other lot who are running around helter-skelter. They are in exactly the same rat race as the rest of the world who does, that does not know God. You really don't see the difference in them, except the fact that they go to what they call church all the time. And the professor faith they don't really believe in. Because if you really trust Jesus as your Lord, as master over your life, if you really trust Jesus and his, and his um ability to provide your needs and meet your needs, if you really believe in it, the atoning work he has done, if you really truly believe in the redemption of your soul that, you know, he has achieved, if you truly believe you've got salvation in Christ, if you truly believe his eternal promises that when you leave this world, you will be with him forever, you will not die but live to be with him forever. People quote that thing foolishly, you know, I will not die but live to proclaim the goodness of the world. You are going to have to leave this world. So when they say it, it's usually in relation to their lives here. But no, Christ's promise is for, is for eternity. So people misuse a lot of things. And so they, if you really believe the Lord is who he is, then for one thing, you will not be running around back and forth trying to find prophets and pastors and men and women who can hear the voice of God on your behalf going to people to look into your future and discern your future and people to, to tell you what tomorrow holds and stuff. What kind of nonsense is that? That's got nothing to do with Christianity. Nothing at all to do with Christianity. And you know what? God does not send people like that. God has no servants that he's sending who can stand and predict everybody that comes to them's future. God does not do that. He does not. It's just not 
Christianity, where, you, you know, there's a particular man or woman whom God tells everything about everybody. That's rubbish. Well, you know, we live by faith in Christ. And so if you know who he is and you know who you are in him, you have no need for such services. So there is no way a foolish man or woman who gives themselves titles and claims they are servants of God can take advantage of you. As it is, they are taking advantage of a lot of people. Now we have in the world at the moment a, a, a global pandemic, the coronavirus thing. I don't want, I'm not here to talk about that today. I haven't got time for things like that. You know why I haven't got time for things like that? It affects all of us. It affects the whole world. But you know what? I'm just, every time I see disasters occurring in the world, I just sit back and go back to scriptures and watch the word of God unfold. That's what I do. And it makes me draw even closer to my God, leads me to more praise of God who is true. Because I know, I'm not, you know, I'm not anxious about those things. They don't worry me. Natural disasters occur all the time. We don't seem to see what we should be seeing. That is the trouble. You know, people don't seem to understand that these things are, you know, prophecies come into play. You know, they're coming into play because the word of God that we have as Christians, we are so blessed that our God has revealed himself, his majesty to us in the Holy Bible. And he has told us how we started, how his relationship with mankind started, where it is and where and how it's going to end. We've got it all in there so that we shouldn't be puzzled about things that are going on around us. So we've got this one. Now, we've we've been having pockets of disasters happening across the world in different places. But we're not paying attention. You know, an obstinate world is not paying attention. So now we've got a global one. But you know what? I was speaking to someone yesterday who said, oh, may God deliver us from all this. I said, well, God will and may well deliver some people from it. He will may well deliver his children from it. I mean, I'm not going to say there are the thousands that have died across the world. There have been no believers amongst them. The only thing is, there, there would have been. But the thing is this. Whether we die via corona, COVID-19 or not, or anything else, or a fire, or a shipwreck, or an accident, or, or cancer, or anything, that's all those things kill the body. Yeah? Our souls have to go somewhere after that. And that is what matters. What's the redemption? My soul has been redeemed as a child of God. Every believer's soul has been redeemed already. So we have, it doesn't matter how we leave the world. We will leave the world. We have to leave the world. And we should look forward to leaving the world. This is the thing. So I don't understand <clears throat> even the Christians who are anxious at this time, who COVID-19, and they're throwing prayers all over the internet, back and forth, left, right, and center. So anxious. We cannot be seen to be as anxious as the world is. Why? Because we know that no matter what it is, death generally needs an excuse <laughs> to take us out of here. If we went one way or the other, we're going to leave, unless the Lord returns and, rapt and raptures his own. We don't know when that can occur. It can occur any time. There's nothing we're waiting for. We're just waiting for him to come, you know. So whether, whether he delays or, or, or comes soon, it doesn't matter. We must be prepared. And this is the whole idea of Christian teaching and Christian preaching, to prepare people belonging to God, to prepare people ready to meet their maker. So a person doesn't die of COVID-19 in this season, but next week, while COVID-19 is still doing its own thing, the person dies of a cancer or a car accident or a fire or anything else, food poisoning could be that simple, you know, or, or just a heart attack or the important thing is about our souls. So I'm not I'm not too concerned about this matter of COVID-19 one way or the other. You know, as I just see it as another warning. I'm not saying God brought it upon us. No, no, not necessarily. God is good. And um, we bring all these things upon ourselves. I mean, there's so many conspiracy theories flying about the place as to how it started. I don't care about those things. All I know is God is sovereign over all the affairs of the heavens and the earth. And if he's letting this happen to us through our own fault, through our own sin, we bring things to pass. He's letting this happen. It's a warning that we may know that God is sovereign. And as I said to the person I was speaking with yesterday, I said the trouble is what, it, what is needed is repentance. But it's not going to happen. And because repentance won't happen, this is just one of very many disasters to come. And this is a mild one, in fact, because it's going to get worse. Because the Bible says evil men will wax stronger and stronger. In spite of all of God's warnings, in spite of the punishment, in spite of the, the, the hardships that 
people will continue their evil. Because after a while, God is so merciful. In a little while now, this is going to blow. It's going to blow out. Okay, it's going to die down. You know, the COVID-19 will die down. And then the world will pick itself up and continue in its foolishness. Still claiming that there is no God, still behaving like there is no God, still trying to overturn all of God's rules and all of God's word and everything like that. It's going to continue, you know, for a while. I don't know how long for, and then another disaster will come will come over it. And then they'll be running back and forth again, helter-skelter. And unfortunately, this is going to continue happening and it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse. We've got it on the book of Revelation. <laughs> it's going to get worse and worse until the end comes. Now, as believers, we should be looking forward to the end. I mean, I pray it all the time. I still prayed it this morning. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, in spite of all that's going on, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. But believers, there are believers who will tell you, oh, I don't want the Lord to come yet. I've got this to do. I've got that to achieve. You must be crazy. Such people must be crazy. What? You've got what to achieve. Where? Where? For what? To what end? If this world is not good enough for God anymore, and it isn't, then it's not good enough for me. I look forward to what God has promised because he's going to recreate all things, the new heavens and the new earth. Paradise will be restored, and that's what I look forward to, the home of righteousness. And this is what I'm saying today about a lack of identity in Christ Jesus. People who know who they are in Christ should not be anxious about anything, should not be worried about anything. You know, we're having disasters everywhere. I mean, at the moment, there's pestilence going on in some places in Africa and some regions in Asia. You know, locusts showing the people sheer hell. We've had the fires of Australia. We've had the fires in America. We've had floodings here and there. We've had all those were teeth and pains, and nobody paid attention to God. So now we've got a global one. And still, nobody will pay attention because even the people who are calling for, for national days of prayer are sinful and non-repentant of their sin. You know, the Archbishop of Canterbury and all that in, in, in here in the United Kingdom. Who are they? They are nuisances leading a church full of homosexual leaders, homosexual priests and things. And the thing the Lord is listening to them, they must be out of their minds. God doesn't accept foolish prayers. Go read Isaiah chapter 1. God is not interested in foolish sacrifices. But people need to get to know God. This is what it's all about. Christianity is not about um, a, a religious practice where we come do our beating church, put money in and all that and say, Hail Mary or whatever it is, or I proclaim it and declare it, I decree and, and then walk off our merry foolish way doing as we like. No, no. Christianity is a personal and individual knowledge of God through Christ Jesus. And his word, Christ Jesus himself being the word of God and our intimacy with him, personal intimacy, not corporate intimacy. I cannot speak for the next man. I cannot speak for the, the next man because I cannot see the next man's heart. The next man may claim he's Christian as well, but I can see his heart. But God knows. He sees. He sees. He sees the heart of everyone. He examines the heart of each of us and to give to each person according to what our deeds deserve. I will not stand in the same place in the same prayer meeting with the Archbishop of Canterbury and, and say, well, I'm praying to God. Why? He doesn't know the Holy God of the Bible. It's just a nuisance who's dressed in some foolish garb, claiming he's a servant of God. No, he's not. Not while leading a church that is into gay marriage and where the, their priests and vicars are gays and lesbians. He's foreign to God. He's an object of reproach to God. So we are in this world now. It's a global pandemic. Yes, we ain't seen nothing yet. Like I said, it's just the beginning. This is just a small thing. People are working hard. My heart is with the medical practitioners. Lord knows I pray for them and everything. I pray as far as I can, but I know what is needed. So I don't waste too many words before God. What is needed is repentance. But who is the person who is going to wake up? Who is a world leader and all this West in the Western society who's going to wake up and say, you know what? Away with all the foolish laws we have made, calling evil good, gay marriages, uh, tra tra trans, uh, transgenderism and all that foolishness. Who's going to reverse all those laws? Nobody's going to want to do it. They all want their popularity with men. And as long as these sins continue, that means there's no repentance. As long as there is no repentance, we can forget about forgiveness. There can be no forgiveness without repentance. 
We don't become Christians because we remain who we are in our foolishness and sinfulness and just say, oh, Jesus is Lord. And so they carry on again in my fornication and my adultery and my debauchery and depraved living and claim I'm a Christian. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We need to fully repent. And across Africa, which is my um, my area of um, assignment, shall I say, from the Lord, who is that who's going to get up and start saying, you know, the government who is going to say enough with all the false religion and the blasphemous churches and I don't know what the must are doing, you know, anything that's not Christianity as far as I'm concerned is false religion anyway, so I couldn't be bothered with that. That, that categorize that with every other false religion going on. But I always say Nigeria is a dreadful, dreadful leader in blasphemy and idolatry. All those fools who claim they are people's fathers in the Lord and mothers in the Lord and they stand there saying, and the Lord told me this morning and the Lord said to me and the Lord showed me this and they're fleecing people, right? Taking the name of the Lord in vain, performing atrocities in the name of God. Who is going to t pick them all up and, and, and shut down the operations? Who is it that's going to tell them to get lost? Who? Nobody's going to do it. So as long as all these things are going on, there's no repentance, there will be no forgiveness. So COVID-19 is nothing, nothing but a taste of things to come in an unrepentant, foolish, sinful world. So back to what I was saying. I've been distracted enough by COVID-19. Right. <laughs> I'm talking about a lack of identity in Christ Jesus here that many people suffer from. And then they wonder why ooh, Christianity isn't serving them right. Sorry, Christianity is not for self-serving. Christianity is not for the for 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 for, for the um selfish, self-seeking, you know, foolishly ambitious people. Christianity is about relationship with God, as I've said before, intimacy with him, the knowledge of him and the honoring of him as God. Now, my people, the Africans, they like to complain about uh, the times of the slave trade and this, you know, by the by the white men and they held them slaves and they did this and they did that. And in fact, you'll find that in some situations they're still demanding for uh, apologies, you know. This prime minister needs to apologize, that president needs to apologize, even though there's nobody in this age that was either victim at the time or experienced it. We just, it's all history, what we've read. I'm not saying that there's no truth to it. Well, you know what? We've gone past that. Let's move on. But no, my people sit there. They carry on about it. You know, you find the frosters saying, oh, you know, the, um, the reason they're stealing from the white men is because of what the white men stole from them. You know, foolishness, all sorts of foolishness. But then I watch them daily submit themselves, <laughs> submit themselves on a daily basis into the hands of spiritual leaders who hold them captive anyway. They submit themselves as slaves to their pastors and to prophets. And these people are all false anyway. Because any person, any uh, purporting servant of God who will stand before any person and claim that, you know what, I can do this and I am this and I am that and I have power to do this and I have authority to do that for you. I can change your life. I can improve your life. I can improve your lot without them knowing what, what God's plans for you are. And believe me what, nobody knows what God's plans for any other person is. Nobody knows. Nobody knows because God doesn't tell that to us. We are all mere mortals. You understand? So when we come to Christ, we all become brothers. For those of us who are in Christ, we become brothers. We do not become, God does not have a supremacy thing running whereby, you know, I am less than the next pastor and the prophet is higher than the than pa uh, pastor or the or, or pastor is um, higher than the evangelist and things like that. Nothing like that. God does not run such hierarchies. We are all his children and that's as far as it goes. Okay, so people, do, they, they voluntarily, voluntarily give themselves over to the self-made spiritual leaders to be their slaves. Because they believe those people, they follow them, they, 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 they suck up to them, they grovel up to them, they worship them, sort of worshiping the only God and Savior. And this is where they fall. That's where their Christianity has no meaning. That's where their, their lives have no purpose. That's where they remain discontent. That's where they're miserable. That's why, because they're without God. And nobody can be in God apart from Christ. So they're without Christ. They say, Jesus is Lord. To them, it's a slogan. No. Jesus is Lord is an affirmation of our faith. Jesus is Lord means he's my master. To him and him alone am I devoted. To him alone am I loyal and faithful. He alone controls my life. He alone 
directs the affairs of my life. That's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. So we have that situation. People don't know who they are. You know, they, they're carrying on and running back and forth. But let's examine, you know, uh, we, we, we're going to look at three, three bits of scripture today. Because in Christianity, in Christianity, no one is superior to the other. We all want the same. And we will discover this from the scripture. So to believe somebody else has a superior standing, you know, than you before God is to believe lies. And these lies lead to idolatry because what happens then and what is happening that we see is people begin to believe those pastors and these prophets and these people and they worship them and they adore them and they pay their homage to them. And, you know, they would even kiss the, 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 the chairs, they sit on, kiss their shoes, do everything. Whatever they say is final. No matter how much, whatever these men and women are saying in their lies and deceit, no matter how much this word contradict the written scriptures, people would rather believe them because I find scripture a bit too too restrictive. You know, it's a bit too firm. You know, God is saying, you know, give up your fornications, give up adultery, give up your sin. That's too much. But the pastor doesn't question all that, you see. All you have to do is keep giving money and you can buy your way into blessings, into God's blessings, buy, buy your way out of sin. But you cannot pay God for a thing. God doesn't take money from us for anything. What kind of what do we want to give God? How much does anybody have to offer the Almighty? He's Almighty God. He himself pro produces, provides everything for us. He has created all things. So sad, you know, when I look at these things and what goes on, it's really very sad. So to, you know, people, but like I said, people prefer it because it's easier to believe the words of the pastor, the thieving pastors and prophets. It's easier, you know, and people have this ridiculous unwillingness to forsake their sin and obey God's word fully, which is what we're called to do in Christianity. You know, we're called to a life of obedience to Christ. And that means obedience to every letter. You cannot say because I'm, uh, you know, people, sometimes people look at themselves and think, oh, well, I'm better than that person. You know, okay, so I've, I've performed this sin, but that person does this other sin. So they're worse than me. No sin is worse. Sin is sin as far as God is concerned. So if you, like the Bible says to us in James, so you stumble out any one point, you've broken the law. That's that, you know. So a question of, um, yeah, I obey nine out of the Ten Commandments. Some some people don't even obey any, so I'm doing well. No, you're not. Unless you're fully submitted, you don't know what you're doing because um, it's very, very clear. You know, we have to fully submit. Jesus is either, either your Lord or he's not because he said to us, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do as I say? If I were truly your Lord, you would obey me. It's that simple. It's just that simple. But people would rather obey pastor and obey prophet than obey the word of God because they are too lazy to study the word of God themselves because they can't be bothered. And when they do study, when well, I don't know that they study, but whatever it is they do here, perhaps some people like me, since they can't be bothered to open their Bibles personally, what they do here, they'll think, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Our pastor is making bigger and better promises. So they'd rather go for that. But you know what? I don't care. My responsibility goes as far as to speak. I'm not compelled to force any man to do anything because nobody can. If Christ, if the Holy Spirit of God does not illumine your heart, there's nothing I can do about it. Because if your heart is callous and selfish and just self-seeking, then naturally, you, you know, you will not be able to respond to the voice of Christ. Even as he says to us in um, John, John chapter 10. Let's look at that before I go to Ephesians. In John chapter 10, from verse 1 to 5, our Lord says these words. I'll tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. That is so true. Because you find how, why is it there are some Christians who are so, so, so desperately following false teachers? To the point that there's nothing someone like me can tell them. They will not listen. They will fight you tooth and nail. They will insult you on social media. They will say anything. 
because they just are so deaf to the voice of God. And we'll come to this voice of God. Yet there are some of us who, no matter what anyone says, no matter how eloquent a man or woman is, no matter how much a person quotes scripture, we know when they're false. Because, you know, the scripture is the word of God. The scripture is Christ because Christ is the word of God. So the scripture is the voice of the good shepherd, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter how much you quote it to me. It doesn't matter how much you speak it and quote things. When you interpret rubbish from it, I will know. You know why? Because I know the voice of my shepherd, the shepherd, the good shepherd. Because I'm conversant with his word. Because I have taken time and I take the trouble to study the word myself. And he does not hide his meaning from any of us because he wants us in full obedience. So I'm not in a unique position to anyone else whereby I have understanding nobody else has. We are on level ground. If you want to know God. If you want to know what God is saying, you will take your time and devote yourself to study of his word. And then you'll be accustomed to his voice. So when you hear a false preacher, you will know that in spite of his quoting scriptures, he's talking rubbish. He is a liar and a deceiver. It's called discernment. Many people are lacking in discernment, though they say they are believers. Why? I'll give you a very simple example, which we see across Africa. A pastor stand. Now, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, the voice of God, the word of God, the voice of the shepherd. Now, the shepherd himself, he says to us, bless those who persecute you. Bless you and do not curse. Bless your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give them something to drink. Okay, he says that. And then a foolish man or woman stands before me and says, curse everybody who is against you. Turn fire of, the God, of God down on your enemy. May your enemy perish by fire. May your destiny destroy your somersault by thunder and all these sort of things. I'm sorry, but how can you not see the difference in that? That evil voice is not the voice of the shepherd. Certainly not my shepherd, but people prefer that because, well, the foolish and the discerning and self-seeking this, they prefer that because it sounds nicer because their evil hearts are encouraged in their evil doing. But a child of God who has been cleansed from their sin, who, who knows that he has been saved by the grace of God because he did not deserve salvation or mercy anyway, but nevertheless, by the grace of God has been saved and blessed with salvation. And the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to him so that he can no longer conceive evil or live in it. He knows that he is to bless. So when he hears the voice of the madman or woman ranting curses on enemies, he walks away because he knows that that is a thief and a robber, an imposter and the devil. But they hear the voice of their shepherd. So when people hurt them, they pray for their enemies if in fact they know any enemies, because we don't even go enemy hunting. We're not interested in things like that because we know who we are in God. We know we are the children of the Most High God who is all powerful and sovereign. So no evil can befall us like that. No man can do a thing to my life. No man can change a thing to my destiny. No, no. All those lies that deceivers confuse their followers with and rope them into bondage with. We know they're all rubbish talk. We know. Because I have been chosen of God. So all these other people, religious leaders that we have, they are the ones Jesus is talking about. The ones who do not enter through the door because Christ himself is the door. But these people come and say, I can do this for you. And I can do that for you. And I, I can do and across your enemy. I can destroy your enemies. I can change your destiny. I can give you fruit of the womb. I can give you a marriage. I can, I can, I can. They can do nothing. They are mere men, specks of dust that will be taken away in their sinfulness to the eternal fires of hell. But people love them. 
Because I say what people want to hear, because people don't like to repent. People are not interested in forsaking their sins. It's very sad. So they climb over the fence and try and steal the people for whom Christ gave his life. But you know what? The sheep who belong to the good shepherd, the true shepherd, we will not follow. We reject them because we know them. Why? Because we know the voice of our shepherd, the good shepherd. There is only that one good shepherd, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we hear his voice. So we will not follow imposters. We will not follow liars. It doesn't matter how well they offer us anything because we know who we are. Let's now look at who the Bible says we are. We'll start with Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read here about God's eternal plans. The first time I read this, I was so humbled. I felt so special. Nobody can take that identity from me because that is who God says I am. Ephesians chapter 1, take it from verse 3 to 14. <clears throat> this is Paul writing to the Ephesian church. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were, in, in Christ, were included in Christ when you had the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, don't worry, I'm going to break it down. Sound like that was a lot in, <laughs> in one reading. But I'll break it down. Let's take it verse by verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Almighty God the Father. Jesus Christ is God the Son. And like I said, there were Christ was with God from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John from chapter 1, the, um, the um, Gospel, John the Gospel from chapter 1, there from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God from the beginning. And it says there's nothing that was made that was made apart from him. So Christ is the creator of all things. God, the Father, spoke what he needed, what he wanted, and God the Son put it in place in the power of God the Holy Spirit. An amazing, amazing, amazing mystery there. Well, made known to us, nevertheless. So now, it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Everything. We're lacking nothing. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. May the Lord forsake those mad men and women who interpret this to mean material things in the world. And so they say to the people, you see, Satan is standing in your way because you have all the riches and glory. And so that's why you are poor. That's why you are sick. That's why you don't have a husband. That's why you don't have children. And so I can get it all back for you. Rubbish. Rubbish. Right. It is about our spiritual blessings of holiness and righteousness, nearness to God, intimacy with the Father. You know, before Christ came and went to the cross, we could not enter the Holy of Holies. Now, that is our dwelling place. We go in the presence of God and we come out as we like. Even better, we have the presence of the sovereign God in us. 
but we take our worship to him, to the holiest of holies, as often as we want, through the day. I'm always in there. I mean, I'd rather not be anywhere. I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather not be anywhere else. So I'm always in prayer. You know, I don't need to be kneeling down all the time. No, in my heart, I'm forever, I'm forever in communication with God. I never want to be one second out of, out of his sight. No, no, his presence is where I want to be always. Okay. So we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And this even includes the power to overcome sin, the power to resist the devil. We are fully, fully supplied for all we need to live in a world of darkness and sin, a world where we have been called the light of the world so that we no longer have a reason to wallow in darkness as we did before we came to Christ. Okay. For he chose us, verse 4, for he chose us, this is God the Father, chose us in him, chose us in Christ, because Christ will be our Redeemer. He would be the one who would come and be the atonement for our sins, because sin needed to be atoned. God is holy. He will not, he will not tolerate sin. He will not bear up with sin. Right. So for he chose us, God chose us. Every believer, every true believer, that is not every idiot who comes through the doors of the church looking for financial breakthrough. <laughs> he chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world. Can you imagine that? Before the creation of the world at all, before the foundations of this earth was laid, God had chosen us, those of us who are going to belong to him. Amazing mystery there. I'm not even going to try and find out how God came through that or came by that or decided that. That's too lofty for me to attain. So I'm not even going to, I'm just thankful that I should have included. And that should be your position as well, if you are truly in Christ. Right. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's the reason we're saved. Many professing Christians don't even know what they're saved for or why. It is because God is making for himself a nation of people who would honor him with their lives, who will be with him for all eternity, holy, pure, blameless, clean, righteous. Righteousness means doing that which is right in the eyes of God. That's what we're saved for. And that's what we were chosen for. Right. And that means separating ourselves from the world. And that is the church. The separated ones, not just anything that any idiot sets up and calls a church and foolishness is going on there. Fake miracle working, hypnotism, magic, sorcery. Um, uh, what do they call this uh, consultation thing that they do where people are going to find out what's going to happen tomorrow and they're telling them what, what is going to happen to their lives and what God is saying. and not saying God isn't even talking to those mad men and women because they don't belong to him. You know, God hates that. All witch doctors now are on so-called church pulpits. Witch doctors, male and female. They're dressed in suits and lovely attire and designer wear. Of course, we have the wretched looking ones as well. <laughs> they come in different categories and different scales. They are there. We have the ones with the theology degrees and the ones who are completely illiterate. But they are there doing the same work of the devil. It doesn't matter. You don't need to have a degree to serve the devil or you don't need not to have one. Just like you don't need a degree in theology to serve the Lord. I am not theologically trained like that. I didn't go to a school of theology. There's no requirement for me to do so. I have my own profession. But the Lord spoke to my heart and he taught me himself. I, 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 was, I did not have, um, I was never evangelized. Nobody ever told me about Christ or anything. But because of this truth, because I always wondered about that, how come I, how, how? I just knew when the Lord was calling me and I began to study the Bible and I began to learn of him from the written word and I couldn't understand how. But people usually say you need someone to lead you to Christ and other. I didn't have all that luxury. But when I came to this verse in my studying and I came to this place where he said, from, begin, from before the foundation of the earth was laid, God chose his own. From then on, I've been humbled and so thankful and I've loved my God from that moment more than ever, and I still do. Because you know what? I was in a Muslim home when I was called out to, to belong to Christ. That predestination is amazing. And it's cost me a lot, I tell you what. It's cost me my original family life, mostly. You know, my, my, my parents never agreed with my faith because they, they 
couldn't understand it because I began to call out the, the, the sinfulness of the family and they didn't like it. They didn't like it. Well, a few of my siblings, I mean, I've got six siblings, and there were three who saw things my way. I thank God for them. And not so much my way, but they believed the words I said because they line up with the words of God. So with them, I'm still close and have a fantastic relationship. The others, you know, started to fall in love with my, 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 my parents, particularly my mother, which is such a tragedy. And uh, so there they are, unsaved, unbelieving. The one of them even claims, you know, she's a prophet. You know, there you go, false prophet. But never mind. The calling of God is an individual thing. This is what I'm saying. It's it's, it's not a corporate thing. I thank God I'm uh, I've been able to, as a matriarch of a home myself. Now I'm able. I've been able to, by the grace of God and the help of the Almighty, lead my children to the knowledge of Christ. And I'm so thankful for that because each of them have personally given their lives to Christ and love and honoring with their lives. And I'm so grateful. And I pray this every day. I pray it continues to my generations that will be a family of the people belonging to God. So you see, it's up to each of us. We can change the game wherever we are, wherever we've come from. Anyway, let's go back to this um, unless we run out of time. Um, so we've been chosen. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, God did this all in love. This is how much God loves us. He loved us before we knew him. And the Bible says that again, somewhere John, the apostle says, we love because he loved us first. He put his plan for our salvation in place when we didn't even know we needed salvation, before we were even born. Before our forefathers were born, God put his plan for our salvation. How can you then shun such a salvation by returning to evil? How? How can you shun such an amazing grace by returning to unrighteousness? It's not possible. It's not possible. So when you have people who are unrepentant, then you know they never have belonged to Christ. They've never known the Lord. That is the trouble. And that's why we've got millions of people in the church, but very few that are saved. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said many are called, but few are chosen. He said there's a broad and narrow, there's a wide gate and a broad path on which many are going, thinking they're heading for, 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 for heaven. But he said there's a small gate and a narrow path to which very few find it. Are you one of the few? That is the question. Because if you're going where everybody is going, because everybody's going that way, you're doomed. Because everybody's walking to their doom. Anyway, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. In love, he predestined us, chose us, determined that's what he was going to do with us. We were going to be adopted as his sons. Can you imagine? We are the children of God. <laughs> and if I'm a child of God, who is the almighty, who is the devil to mess with me, with my life, to turn my destiny over? To... My destiny was determined by God. We are predestined by God. Who then can affect it? Who is the witch or wizard anywhere in any village or any mother-in-law or any father-in-law or anybody? What are the nonsense that are being sold to people? And they sell them to them. They tell you they are visions from God. No, they are not. They are evil. Spoken by the, from the depths of hell, spoken by the evil people who are distributing the lies. And they hold people captive through that because they then purport to save them. I will perform deliverance. My next, uh, my next talk on this matter of Fairweather Christians is going to be um, on the evil ministry of deliverance, the deliverance ministry. Very big business then that is now taking advantage of people. Deliverance from what? Who is delivering who from what? But I'm not going into that today. It's and like I said, it's going to be my next um my next installment in this series is about the false falsehood, the evil falsehood called deliverance ministry. Rubbish. So anyway, we have been chosen by God. He's predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus Christ. Nobody goes to God directly. You can't. We cannot. 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father but by me, because he alone is the atoning sacrifice that God would accept. The rest of us are steeped in sin. We cannot pay for our own atonement. We cannot atone for ourselves. We cannot pay for our own sins like that. We can't, because the, you know, the wages of sin is death. We have been relieved from that now through Christ. We cannot do anything for ourselves otherwise. So unless we're in Christ, we're finished, we're doomed. So, I mean, this what, what he said here, I agree completely with what he says in Romans as well. As well. When I wrote to the, to the Romans in chapter 8 of Romans, um, from verse 28 there very quickly, he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Exactly what we're reading in, in Ephesians. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those who justified, he also glorified. Do you know who you are now? Do you believe you've been predestined? Because if you have been predestined by God and called by him, then that means you are called out of the evil, called out of sinfulness, called out of the madness of this world. So why then, if you say you are, you are a child of God, are you still in the same rat race as the rest of the world who don't know God? Why are you still panicking every time the world panics? Why are you still in fear every time the world is in fear? Why are you as miserable as the next man because your finances are not amazing? Why are you, are you running around trying to find financial breakthrough? Why are you running around trying to find a miracle? What do you need a miracle for? What do you need a miracle for? Healing? You're going to die anyway, whether you're healed from whatever disease or sickness today or not, you're still going to have to die. People die in perfectly good health. So it's not a big deal. What are you anxious for? Who is it you've believed? I can't understand that. When people say they're Christians and then they're bringing Christianity into disrepute. Because if you're saying that the reason you go to church is because you want a miracle or financial breakthrough and miracle money and all that madness, a wealthy person will tell you, in which case I don't need your God, then do I? I've got all the money I need. And if you say, you know, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian because, you know, I need healing and Jesus Christ healed me. Okay, well, I don't believe in Jesus, but when I, uh, I I had cancer of the throat and I got over it, so in which case I don't need Jesus, then do I? But what have you got to say to people about your sin and their sin? Because I, my testimony always is I was ticked in sin I was in bondage to sin, but I give glory to God because Jesus Christ saved me from my sinfulness. My sins are forgiven. I'm free. I don't carry the burden of sin and I don't have to sin anymore because I've been empowered not to sin. Then unbelievers I speak to when I say that, look at me and think, really? They're puzzled. And some will probe me even more to find out. Now, it's not an easy choice for people to think, okay, I think I'll forsake my sin too. But there are some who will tell me, how do I get this forgiveness? That is supposed to be a testimony, not madness about, oh, look, I got promotion at work. I bought a car yesterday. Oh, yeah, the pastor prayed for me. And look, uh, 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 my wife is pregnant. Your pastor, if he didn't physically make your wife pregnant, which happens a lot across Africa, the gift of children come from God. But people will give credit to men. For the providence of God. That's alienating you from God. And that's why your relationship with God is not going to develop. It's not going to get any further. Yes, I appreciate the fact that as Christians, we all mature at different levels. And at different pace. It depends on how well and how more you, you devote yourself to studying the word and listening to, to servants of God who do nothing but tell you the truth to build you up in Christ. They don't promise you money. They don't promise you any breakthrough. They don't promise you miracles. They just say, oh, this is what the word of God says. And they break it down for you so that you can understand who you are and understand what it is you're supposed to be doing. And people don't like such preaching. I mean, I don't get a lot of my sermons shared by people. I don't care. I know when the time comes, the Lord himself, will, his word will get around. The people, I, the sermons I listen to as a preacher myself, my mentors, most of them are dead. They've been dead long before I, I became a Christian. But the words they spoke and left, the sermons they, they spoke, the words they taught 
have been left as a legacy, enduring through the ages. And I have come into Christianity a mere babe to study, to hear their word, to learn from them, study the scriptures and listen to them. And they're my mentors. I'm going to see them one day in heaven in the presence of God. And I'm going to embrace them and thank them for the hard work they did. So it bothers me not today when people don't listen or people don't share my sermons. Well, if I was post, posting filth on social media, I'd get so much sharing. But I don't care. You know, mine is to do the work. It is God who blesses his work. So, you know, I, I'm not bothered about things like that. But this is what we're saying. We all mature depending on uh, the level of our devotion, of our commitment to learning the truth and obeying. It's not enough to learn it and obeying it. If we don't obey, if we're not keen on obeying, then we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time because James said it, you know, the, James the Apostle, he said, what's the point? If you hear the word and you don't obey it, he said, you're like a person who goes before a mirror, stands before a mirror, sees the reflection, what they look like, and then walks away and immediately he's forgotten what they look like. That's exactly how it is for those who hear the word of God or study the word of God, but don't see a need to obey what God is saying. We know the Bible just tell, uh, tells us we studied in Ephesians, we read, and here in Romans 28, that God, as uh, he chose us, predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That Jesus Christ, his son, might be the first one among many brothers. That's why we are we are we, uh, we adopted as, as children of God, sons and daughters, because of that predestination that God determined. And it says those he predestined, he called. He calls us through the gospel message. And we come and we submit ourselves to Christ that he is our savior. We believe in his atoning sacrifice for us. We submit ourselves to him. And so we, we become his, the sons of God. And he justifies us. Justify does not mean that he's saying we are right. No, justify means that our sins are forgiven. And God looks at us and says, that's Sarah, my righteous daughter. Not because I have done anything righteous. No, but because Christ died for me. Because I am chosen according to the will of God. And as such, I'm a child of God. And he said, this is justified he also glorified. Our glorification comes at the time we are taken out of this world of sin, when we appear before the Lord and receive our immortal bodies and receive that crown of life. The crown, the reward we're waiting for is life eternal. That's the crown. When we receive that crown of life, that's when we, we glorification comes. In a place where we'll be perfect, that's when we're made perfect. In a place where there'll be no more sin, where we'll no longer face temptations and trials or any difficulties. Paradise restored. So, oh, we're first running out of time, and, and I'm still on the very first Bible verse we're reading today. Right, go back to Ephesians chapter 1. So, um, where were we? Okay, uh, verse 5. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as a son through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It was God's sovereign decision, not anything we did to endear ourselves to him. He was him. He chose us. He chose to do it. And he did. And all we can do is be thankful that he did. To the praise of his glorious grace. Exactly. That's all we can do is thank him, which has really given us in the one he loves. Verse 7. In him, that's in Christ, we have redemption through his blood because he's the one who went on the cross. No other sacrifice can we offer to God to, to, to appease him for our sins. Nothing. We have nothing individually to offer to God. For that, that in order to receive forgiveness of sins, only the blood of Christ, only Christ's atonement on the cross. He came down for that singular purpose. He came down as flesh, as a man, just for that, to take our sufferings upon himself. That one man's suffering suffices for all of us who will come to salvation through him because he was perfect, because he was God. Right. Well, uh, verse 7 so in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, that's what we see, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. See, God sent his son. We know that John 3.16. That God sent his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have life everlasting. There you go. It's God's own gift to us. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. His wisdom his understanding. We can't know why he did it because there's nothing to be, there's nothing in the life I used to live apart from Christ that is worthy of salvation. Nothing at all. I'll tell you that now myself. And he made known to us the mystery of his will 
according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Now, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. This is all, like I said, towards an end, because the time is going to come when God is going to restore paradise, when he's going to create a new heavens and the new earth. Heaven is not our final destination. Heaven is like a waiting room. We're going to, our final destination is going to be this earth. We're coming back. It's going to be perfect. We're going to have all this nonsense. We have all the pestilence and all the wars and all the sin and all the foolishness that we see around us today. It's not, they're not going to exist anymore. You know, but this will be put in effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things, that is the purpose of, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together, together under one head, even Christ. Together under one head. Jesus Christ, the Son, God the Son, is gathering us, the elect, who have been gifted to him by the Father. This is just an amazing thing. The Father himself, has given his son everything. And that includes us. And that's why it was the son who had to come to redeem us. So now he's gathering us and he's training us and he's showing us the way and raising us in his own righteousness so that at the end of all things, we all come together under one head, the father, even Christ, who will be our Lord always because he's God. But that's the whole idea. That's what he's brought us from different races and different places and different spaces in life. You know, some people were cultists, some people were Buddhists, some were atheists. I was um, quasi-Muslim <laughs> because I never really knew the ways of Islam or any of the practices. We just practice the religion. I call us as whatever they are. There's no truth in it. Anyway. So he's called us from different realms, different tongues, different tribes, different everything. And we all speak one language now. Almighty God, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior to all of us. Amazing. So there you go. And in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Now, that's the Apostle Paul saying, but then the apostles chosen, they were the first fruits. They were the ones who, to whom Jesus gave the responsibility of spreading the gospel to bring others in. So that he said, you know, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Now, are they not for the hope of God's glory today? We are studying their words. Through them, we are being built up. Through them, we are learning. Through them, we have received the gospel. These men gave their lives to get the gospel message to us. They actually physically gave their lives. There's not one of them that wasn't brutally killed, except John, the apostle, and his life wasn't blissful either. He was he he was abandoned, you know, confined to the island of Patmos. He was there, you know, um, imprisoned there on an island from where he received the book of Revelation of things, the end of all things. So it, it, that wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't an accident. It was pre God's predestination also. But that was the way he, he was going to go because he needed to be confined in that place for God's purpose. And that is what we have, the book of Revelation through him. We have so much to thank God for in his amazing plans for our redemption. How dare any one of us then go back to the ways of the world? How dare us go chasing after mad men and women who promise us foolishness? Mere men! Because people do this for greed. I, there was a time I used to feel sorry for the people who had been robbed by false teachers. But then I came to the conclusion one day that, you know what? Now nah, they're just as bad as one another. The reason they are being fleeced is because they themselves are not interested in anything to do with God. They themselves are greedy and self-seeking anyway. So they deserve one another, false teacher and the false followers. They're all the same. Let me quickly finish this, Ephesians. Obviously, I'm going to have to um, do this another time. I'll probably wrote this into the deliverance ministry that I want to talk about next, uh, next time, in a few days, I hope, because now we're all confined to the house. We're not going anywhere. I'm working from home like many people are. 
<laughs> so now we have more time to serve the Lord even and do more important things and more interesting things now that we can be roaming the streets willy-nilly. That's really good. You know, there's always good in every in, in every evil situation if you are discerning enough to find it out. So anyway, verse 13. And that speaks to the rest of us. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Yes, so I know who I am. I am in Christ. I have been chosen by God. I was predestined by God. I'm a child of the almighty God. Why do I need a human being to tell me what to do and how they can influence or affect my life? It's not possible. It's not possible. So having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto redemption, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. That's the spirit of perfection, the spirit of truth, the spirit of power. He lives in me. Who is any man? to try and affect me one way or the other, or try and do anything from, I don't need any favors from any man like that. I don't care who he says he is, pastor, prophet, whatever, bishop. Who are they? Nothing. These people are even objects of reproach. You are supposed to stand alone in Christ as a child of God. I'm going to have to leave it there for today. We've been here an hour, and uh, there is still much to say beforehand, you know, if you like. Now we've got time. We're all supposed globally to be sitting in our home, minding our business, which is good. <laughs> you, can, you can study before the next time I'm on, because I'm going to be speaking from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 12, and 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. If you're able to read it beforehand, uh, it'll be good so that you can follow me as I speak, knowing what we're talking about here in our Lord. Until then, I pray God's divine protection over you. I pray his uh, mercy and grace over you grace to take one day at a time, trusting in him alone. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior. God bless you.